And they said, Tim came because he heard there was a good speaker. I got excited. I thought that they had gotten somebody else and forgot to tell me. <laughs> uh, I asked myself, what am I doing here? I was asked this week by uh, a friend at work when he found out that I was sharing. He said, why are you preaching? I said, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. I mean, I'm definitely not the authority on a lifestyle of worship. I'm not, I mean, I don't think it has to do with because I'm on the worship team. But nonetheless, I'm glad that I was asked. And honestly, I, I do know why I was asked, because it was, it's, it's a continuation of what God has been showing me for, uh, I believe, seven months now, a, a part of a work that he's been doing in my life. And he's continued it by me doing this because it, it really put me to a place to dig deeper and to learn about what worship is because I'll be honest with you, it wasn't what I thought that it was. I mean, I bet there, I mean, there was a time in my life that if you asked me what worship was, I'd tell you praise is the fast music and worship is the slow music. But as we know through this study that that's not true. I like what Bob Coughlin said in a book that he wrote called Worship Matters, and I want to share it with you. It said, for years we've read about or experienced firsthand the worship wars, conflicts over music styles, song selections, and drums, but far too little has been said about the worship wars going on inside of us, and they are much more significant. Each of us has a battle raging within us over what we love most, God or something else. If you would turn with me into Exodus 20. I know Dwayne read this couple weeks ago. And while you're turning, uh, I appreciate what Keith shared last week. And uh, in addition to that, I, I kind of thought about this statement and what Keith shared about the music being in a vehicle and an avenue of being able to share our words with God in that way. And I've heard through the years of, of being part of worship teams that um, People, the feedback is people say, I don't like those songs that you say over and over and over again. You know, like you repeat the same line. Or, and I've even gotten, gotten into this where you say, oh, that's just too loud or that's way too rowdy. But I started to realize that I was making God out to be stuffy like I was. I was putting him, I was putting my standards as if I was speaking to God. But the way that I look at it um, is on Christmas morning, a father if you've ever given a gift to somebody that you know they've always wanted, it was the gift for them. And you're, you're just excited to give it to them as they are opening it when, when you see that on their face. And they, they're running around. What I was doing was, I, I see God that way. He has given us his gift of salvation and eternal life and, and to be with us forever. And we're jumping around saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's what I always wanted. And him saying, that's too loud. Keep it down. You know, and a little kid running around the house with, with the gift and keeps on coming through. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. You know what? You've already told me that. You know, I don't see God that way. I see God excited when he sees us worshiping in that way. I didn't mean to get on a tangent. I just kind of thought about it with that, that saying of Dave Coughlin. Exodus 20. Starting in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. He is saying that to us 
even today, out of the bondages that we've, we have. And right out of the starting gate, he says to Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to see this morning the things that you want us to see. I pray that you would bring a new light to this and in our lives, Father. We ask that your light would shine and expose those areas in our life where we do not allow you to reign. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would open up your Webster's Dictionary with me, if you brought yours. I do this a lot, like when I'm when I'm reading and studying, I like going to what the word means because I think in our culture today we lose what um, the meaning of a lot of words. The word worship is to love somebody deeply, to love, admire, or respect somebody or something greatly and perhaps excessively or unquestionably. Great devotion, great or excessive love, admiration, and respect felt for somebody or something. Praise is the expression of admiration, words that express approval or admiration. All right. Now, God, with a big G, or a little g, is something that dominates, something that is so important that it takes over somebody's life, somebody admired, a man who is widely admired or imitated. An idol is an object of adoration, somebody or something greatly admired or loved, often in excess. Now, I, I believe that, that us as Christians, we do take these words for our own, but they're really, they don't belong to us. These are, these are words, these are verbs and acts that are done all over the world. Uh, we watched a video a couple weeks ago of a tribe and their, their form of worship. Now, this is all fine and dandy, as long as God is the center of it. But when he's not, then it's a sin. And what we read in Exodus 20 was when God brought Moses up on the mountain, he says that right, right off the bat, don't do it. Don't have any gods before me. Knowing that while Moses is up there for 40 days, people are down there scraping up their jewelry to melt down in form of a, golden calf, which is, I think, equivalent to a tithe. They're spending their precious things for something that is important to them. But the Bible has three words that refer to worship in the Old and New Testament. And one is shaha, which is Hebrew for humility, which is to bow down, to prostrate, the act of bowing or prostrating oneself in submissiveness and reverence the outward posture reflecting an inward attitude. So we have humility as a word described as worship in the Bible. 
Another word is yare, which is reverence. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing these right. I'm not fluent in Hebrew, just for the record, but uh, it means reverence. It's to show extreme honor and respect for something or someone fearing God. Uh, and abad, which is service, to work, to labor, and to serve. So in the Bible, we have those three things describing worship to God, to revere him, to fear him, to humble ourselves, to acknowledge the fact that we are nothing without him. Our strength does not even compare to the strength that he has to offer. And the other is to serve him. In Luke, well, it talks about in Matthew too, but uh, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he took him, you know, to a high place and he showed him the kingdoms and he said, you know, I will give you all the authority. And Satan said, which was given to me, I will give all the authority and all the splendor to you if you worship me. Satan wasn't asking Jesus to sing him a song. He was asking him to humble himself and to serve him to do his work. He was asking Jesus to acknowledge him as sovereign. And what was Jesus' response? You shall serve God and him alone. Jesus understood that, that God's will is the number one thing. I'll be honest with you, I've struggled with this study. It's been difficult for me, not only because it turned out that worship really wasn't the way that I thought it was, but God has been exposing things and revealing things in my life that were not of him. There are things in my life that I gave a higher place than they should, exalted higher even above God. And in order for me to know what worship really is, I had to know what worship wasn't. And I realized that I, in order to be faithful to God, I had to know where I was being unfaithful to God. I could not be faithful if I kept minimizing and uh, making exceptions for my unfaithfulness. There were things in my life that were idols, things that I were going to for source of uh, pleasure, joy, uh, provision, I, were, I was going to those, uh, those even before I was going to God. And it's been difficult, but I figured, you know, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm not going to stand up here and preach, but what I will do is share and confess to you what has happened in my life in hopes that there is somebody here that have, has felt the same way and is going through the same thing. God said it in Exodus 20, and he says it throughout the Bible, that he is a jealous God. He will not allow us to give our attention, our affection to anybody else but him. And as a married man, I would know how that feels. But as people, if we say, oh, that's not an idol in my life, Idols are something 
it's a golden calf or it's sacrificing a chicken to another god. We look at those things, those are obvious uh, idols to some people. But if we look at the things in our lives and say, yeah, that's, that's not that. That's not even in the same ball game. That is equivalent to me telling my wife I was just holding her hand. There's nothing wrong with that. I just kissed her on the cheek, which I didn't do. For the record, I'm just saying as an example, that is what we're doing to God when we give things in our lives place and we minimize them and we we don't call them for what they are. In Exodus 32, we see... Go ahead and turn with me there if you would. We see Moses is gone for some time and the people are starting to get restless. I think it's, well, I'll just read. Starting in verse 1, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods, with small g's, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. I think it's interesting that that's capitalized. I don't know if that's capitalized in your your Bible, but it is in mine. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The way I see that is Aaron was a man pleaser. He, He knew who God was, of course, but he wanted to compromise. He did them both, and that's why I said that. When he said the Lord being sacrificed, he was combining the two. I mean, how could you deny it? Moses is up on the mountain talking to God. And I want to remind you that this mountain is torched. I mean, it's smoking because God came down on it on fire. And they, they had to quarantine it off. God kept on telling them, don't let anybody come, don't come to the mountain. They'll die. I mean, these people saw it. I mean, they're looking, looking at all this. But at the same time, they are willing to worship a false god, a big good luck charm or something. And God says over and over in the Bible that he's a jealous God. I'm just going to, I'm going to go through these. Exodus 34, 4, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. 
Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy 5.9 says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Again, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and will destroy you from the face of the land. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They made me jealous by what is no, what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. In Psalms, they angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. Romans 18, 24, 18 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. We're going to play a round of the $25,000 pyramid, just the first person yell out an answer to tell me what I'm describing. Because we read this and we're like, well, yeah, back then they worshipped they worshiped animals and all sorts of stuff, but we don't do that today. Just ho- holler out when, when it comes to you. Eagle, Mustang, Cobra, Cougar, Viper, that's right, Jaguar, Bronco, and Ram. Those are all cars. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to the sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. I, did, I read this a couple weeks ago, but I want to read it again because this, this, this is what hit me hard. It said, outside of Sunday mornings, what do I enjoy the most? What do I spend the most time doing? Where does my mind go when I have nothing else to do? What do I spend my money on? What am I passionate about? What makes me angry when I don't get it? And what do I feel depressed without? What do I fear losing the most? The answers to these questions will lead me to the God with a big G or the gods with a little G that I love most. Idol worship, God still hates it. And I think we are in a dangerous place if we do not acknowledge that it exists today and that it exists among God's people. I mentioned this before. I was shocked online. I asked, I asked people if, if idolatry was in the church and people got mad at me. I kind of thought I was, just, I was just trying to have a conversation to get other people's input on it. But they don't, people, I was shocked to think that people don't see it that way. Well, I think I took the wrong angle, and I, I, asked that, I asked that question out there before, before I was done, or I guess further in the end of this study. But the truth is, 
those things are not, they can't be idols if it wasn't for us, our, our heart. Worship is a heart, a matter of the heart. $20 bill or money. People have sacrificed integrity for this. People have been corrupt. They've even murdered. There have been countless people murdered over this. This sitting right here by itself doesn't do anything. It's what my heart does with it that is the issue. I'm not here to point out anything. Uh, what might be an idol to one might not be an idol for somebody else. We talked about that in Sunday school. Somebody mentioned, you know, I, I struggled with the TV. Hey, you know what? That might not be for everybody. I'm not here to tell you that the TV is evil. That the, am I telling you that the TV can be? It sure can. If we give it the place for enjoyment and, and um, leisure and, and unwinding, I've, I've felt like that. I just want to sit down and... What a day. I just want to watch something. Go to it for that. That golden calf, if it wasn't for the people, would have just sat out in the rain. The problem was it was their heart that was the problem. Uh, in Samuel, for Samuel, Samuel was going to anoint the king. And, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It has to be that way because we can fool each other. We can fool each other easily. How many times have we been watching the news and they're interviewing the neighbor and the neighbor's like, he seemed like such a nice guy. You know, he was so giving. He mowed my yard. He plowed my driveway. But he was a serial killer, you know. It's he, because man can, we look on the outside. We look at the things and be like, oh, you know, he is a good guy. But God is never fooled. He knows the heart. And that's what it's, that's what it's all about. It says in 1 John, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. I mean, do we believe that? Do we believe if we hate someone, we're a murderer? Because that's exactly the way God sees it. You've heard this said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. That's pretty harsh. But if we're doing, if we're doing that with things in our lives and place of God. That's exactly what we're doing. And he knows it. And he's wanting, I believe, to open our eyes. At least for me, he wanted to open my eyes. Like I said, he's been, he's been showing me things and exposing things in my life that I had no idea. They had, I had no idea they weren't of him and that he had no part in them. And I came to the conclusion that we can sit here and name idols all day long that people could give more place in their lives. But what it boils down to is one thing, and that is us. It is our pleasure. Whether, I don't care whether it's car, cars, I mean, I've seen cars, car enthusiasts, and hey, I think cars are cool too. Dwayne and I were down looking at that Camaro uh, for the drawing when we had lunch. Um, I don't, there's nothing wrong with, with that, but it's where we give it a place in our heart, like, oh my gosh, look at this thing, where we have no problem throwing our hands up when they score, yes, but we don't do it in church, no, not for God, not for the one that died for us.
I'm not here telling you that those things are idols in your life. That's for you to figure out with God and to seek him for. But it's our pleasure. Those things bring us pleasure. And I, I refer to as king me. <laughs> it's just king me. I am the number one God with a little g. It is a constant battle against what I want and what God wants. That's exactly why Satan fell from heaven. For that exact same thing. And for that exact same thing, I struggle with. I exalt myself up. I want to be glorified. I want to be applauded instead of God giving the glory. I mean, even Friday, I had, I was on my way home I, for, for business. I drove to an account. It was a large account, and um, through some circumstances, they were upset, and we were going to lose them. So I drove to, to see if I can keep them from leaving. And on the way home, and I sat there on the way down to Dayton. I didn't listen to any music, and I prayed, Lord, if this is your will, I want what you want. If your will is for them not to do business with us, I, I am okay with that. But you know what? After they didn't kick us out, and actually they opened the door a little bit more for more business, it was after a couple phone calls that I realized I never even went back to God. You know, and I said, I'm so sorry. It's so easy for me to want to be glorified or to, to, for people to, to praise me. Hey, good job. You did a good job. When it was God. It was by his hand, not mine. But I constantly get in the way to try to take the credit for it. I have done what Aaron has done, and I've compromised my worship with God with other gods. The topic today is lifestyle of worship, and we cannot be, we can't worship God and worship others. He's very clear about that, and the first step is to realize those things in our lives that are not of him those things that we've kind of minimized and said, you know what, it's really not that bad, but those things consume our lives. We need to realize those things and repent of them. Because unless we take that first step, there is no reconciliation. There is no healing. But we know that worship is to honor, revere, and to serve. So how do we do it? How do we... How do we do it? Dwayne talked about the awe of God. Do we see his work all around us? Do we communicate with him on a regular basis? Do we talk to him? Do we listen to him? Do we hear what he has to say? Do we, do we give him praise other than on Sunday morning, saying, oh, you make such beautiful things. I love the fall. You are so creative, God. Just between you and him, that's what he desires. But more than anything, he wants obedience. And we're starting off with saying, don't have any other gods before me. He just wants us to obey in every little way, even if it isn't what we would want to do. I've often said it for years. I'm, I'm like, man, what if God called me to downtown Chicago <laughs> to gangland? You know, I really don't want to go. I mean, would I obey? Would I obey? 
But the truth is, if it's what he's got planned, we should not want anything different. For Samuel, it says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, or witchcraft is the other word. I'll read that again. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Which right there confirms with what I found about myself. Arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Arrogance is I'm God with a small g number one. It's like a rebellious child. Can you imagine having a kid that you say, okay, first of all, I don't want you eating the cake we're about to eat dinner. You know, I, for your sake, I want, we're going to have healthy things. I want you to, I don't want you eating the cake. But while we're waiting for, while we're waiting for dinner, I want you to uh, take out the garbage and do the dishes. And the child disappears for a little bit and comes back, climbs up in the lap and is like, I love you so much, Dad. I love you so much. I, I am so grateful for your provision. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for your protection. And then the, the father says, what's on your face? Is that chocolate cake I see on your, your face? Did you take out the garbage? Dad, I love you so much. You mean everything to me. Did you do the dishes? Oh, you're so wonderful, Dad. I'm here to tell you that that was me. I have mixed my worship with God with others. God was calling me to deal with them. I ignored them, but I kept on coming back saying, God, I appreciate everything you did. And he says, I just want you to obey. I want to go further than what this is. Yeah, but I so appreciate your protection over my life. He's like, yeah, but I want you to deal with it. And in the past six months, I'm so grateful that he's bringing me to that point of dealing with it and moving forward into a deeper walk of, of worship with him, of, of communicating with him and talking with him, which was his idea in the first place. It wasn't that we deserve it or that we earned it or that we're good people or, you know what, God wants to hang out with us because we don't cuss or we don't drink. Uh, we don't do any of those bad things. It's not that at all. It says we love because he first loved us. It was God's idea from the very beginning to have a relationship with you and with me. And he wants to go deeper. He wants, he cares about every aspect of our life and he wants to be involved in every aspect. The more I thought about it, the more I realized how many things I don't involve him in and those were the areas that I was the one taking credit for, wanting to take credit for, wanting to get the glory. I wasn't including him. I included him in some areas, but not others. I was doing exactly what the Israelites do. You think, wow, they're whacked out. They sat there and watched this, him come down on fire, burn this mountain. They, they quarantine it off, say, don't go near it till you die. They saw his hand move. I saw his hand move, but yet I'm willing to give my heart 
to others, other things. He wants to be involved in the good and the bad. Every aspect. The good news is, James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's not waiting for anybody to get straightened up. He's not waiting for anybody to, to get freed from all the things that are holding them in bondage before they come to him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Good analogy that I've heard the, one of the, was that when you're lost in the woods, you don't yell for help and just keep wandering to try to find your way out. You stand where you're at and just holler for help and let the rescuer come to you. I always liked that. It was always in me to, to want to find my way out and get more lost. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And the other thing is to glorify him in, in every way. Give him, give him the glory. Give him the credit. Whether it's work or it's school. He wants to be involved and honestly, we should not want anything other than what he wants. I'm going to go out on a limb here. But if in a relationship, youth or anyone else looking for a relationship, if you think you can do a better God, or I'm sorry, better job than finding the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with than the one that God can find for you, you're wrong. You should see what he has for you. Ask him for guidance in every aspect of our life and give him the glory, give him the credit, give him the praise for it in every way. I think that's what it's all about and is, is a lifestyle of worship, is realizing those things in our lives that do nothing but steal time away, steal our affections away from God, find out what those are, say, God, I don't want them anymore. Surrender it up to him. Have that close relationship out of adoration and communication with him and involving him, obeying him, and giving him the glory and the credit. I had an interesting thing happen to me. We went to Los Angeles in May for vacation, and my brother-in-law um, asked if he said, do you want to come to go get medication for my mother-in-law? He said, do you want to go with me to get the medication? I said, uh, sure. I was just thinking it was like one of the 10 CVSs around the corner, you know, in Los Angeles. There's drugstores on every corner. And uh, it turned out to be in East LA, which was an hour one way. I didn't know that until we left, which was not a problem because I like my brother-in-law. But uh, we, we went there and uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been to East L.A., but it is a different world. Uh, I didn't really think about it. I mean, I didn't notice it. But he told me, he goes, have you ever, did you ever notice that you're like the only white person? <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't really notice it. He said, yeah. He said, I'm telling you, this is, this is a different world here. And we go in, and it was just like the movies. You're waiting in this, this waiting room. Uh, uh, just tons of people lined up around these walls, like a spiral, waiting to get these couple windows of people to help them. Everything from prostitutes to homeless to, to elderly people to young people with kids. It was just, it was interesting to see. And um, we're waiting in line, and there's a bench that goes all along the wall, and uh, there's chairs in the middle, and everybody kind of 
gets up and scoots and sits down, or you, if you're on the bench, you just kind of scoot for, for this long period of time. And you're waiting there, and these people pull their window down that says, be back in 15 minutes. And I'm like, what? I mean, look at all these people. How could you leave? Let's just get everybody out of here. We've already been here for an hour. Well, anyways, this, uh, there was a girl that came in, and she, we, were, we were standing along the wall and, uh, before we got to the pews or the benches along the, this side, and she said, hey, uh, would you save me that spot behind you? I'm, I'm after you guys. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. So she sits down, and uh, she pulls a book out of her purse, and it kind of looked like Bible-like didn't look like a Bible. Like, it didn't really look like this. I mean, if I held this up, you'd be like, yeah, that's a Bible. Hers didn't, but I don't know what it was, but it kind of looked Bible-ish to me. So uh, she was sitting there reading it, and we were kind of talking and hanging out. And then we got to the part with the, the benches, and then she came and sat down next to me. And I looked, and it was a Bible. And so I go, you don't actually believe that stuff, do you? <laughs> And her eyes, she looks, right, looks me right in the eye, and she goes, yes, I do. I go, I think that is so awesome, because I do too. <laughs> so we start, we, we just start talking, and um, I, I didn't know at the time, but I felt really compelled to share my testimony with this girl. I mean, we were already there for some time, and we were going to be there for another long while, and I, I felt in my spirit to, to share with her. So the opportunity came and I started to share my whole testimony. But the whole time, I'm trying to cut it short because this girl's a Christian. Like, why am I telling my testimony with how God delivered me from drugs? And, and you know, this girl's a Christian. Why am I doing this? And I just kept, felt God saying, do it. And I, I, I tried to cut it short and I couldn't. <laughs> and I kept on spitting it out. And I'm like, why is this... Why, am I, why is this going on? And then another girl came in and sat down next to her, and, um, which was kind of strange that nobody yelled that she cut in line, but uh, she sat down, and she was listening to my testimony, and she was, she was on the rough side, and she was like, no way, <laughs> you know, really interested. I'm like, okay, well, God's wanting me to share my testimony for this girl, maybe, you know, maybe I should back it up a little bit, but Inside, I'm thinking about my perspective. I'm thinking about what I think is best. I'm thinking about what I should say or what I shouldn't say instead of just obeying where God was leading me. And he didn't allow me to cut my testimony short. And I'm grateful for it. When I was done, I asked, do you mind sharing with me what God has done in your life? And she said, I'm brand new. I'm a brand new Christian. Three weeks. I'm like, wow. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I said, you two know each other. You seem like you know each other. Are you family? And she said, no, we're in the same program together for drugs and alcohol. You know, and I was so grateful for God to teach me that lesson, not to rely on my own strength, my own knowledge, my own eyesight to see what's going on, and for me to make a judgment call based on that, but to follow him 
and to follow his leading. Like I said, I'm not up here because I'm the authority on this. I just want to encourage you in all these ways. First of all, seek him. Let him show you the things in your life that are, that are displeasing to him. I'm telling you, music is something that I've struggled with. That is one thing. I, I, can, I, I, I call on music to, to minister to me, to calm me down, to bring me peace. I took the very thing that he gave for me to enjoy and to glorify him, and I took it for myself. It might not be for you. Music might not be for you. It was for me. The TV might not be for you, but it might be for somebody else. But it has to start there. It can't start after that point. God says, I'm a jealous God. Do not do it. Don't have any other gods before me. I want you, and I want you for myself. I don't want your affections to go elsewhere. And to include him in everything. I left him on the sidelines. It was equivalent to Veronica, if it was for us, she's, you know, she would want to go on to a cruise, my wife Veronica, and for me to come home and say, hey, I booked a cruise. And she's like, yes, yes. I'm like, I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> That's what I did to God. He just wants to be involved. He wants to be in, involved in every aspect of our life, and I've picked and choose which areas to allow him in. But I want to I spend this time to spend with God individually. It's easy to think about our neighbors and our friends. With, oh, yeah, they're definitely excessive about that. They're, they're, oh, they're, they're freaks about that or this, or they sure do love cars. They just can't think anything about it other than that, or, boy, they, they sure do love sports. It's easy to think of other people. But this is a time to, to, to sort things out with God. We want to give that opportunity this morning just to spend time with him. You could stay in your seats. But the altar is going to be open. We're going to have a time with music and worshiping him. Feel free to come forward. Uh, the altar is open. <laughs> and uh, there will be people down here. There will be people in these seats. They're not going to be standing down here. But if you do need prayer, we do have a prayer team here at the church. Uh, if, if you do, uh, I know Dwayne is, is available and wanting to help. Just go up and, you know, get their attention and ask prayer if you, if you do want prayer. But during this time, the altar is open. It's just a time to sort things out with God. Let's pray. Father, we want nothing else than what you want for us. We can't do it in our own power. We can't up one day and say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. We need your strength. We need you to reveal to us the things in our lives that are not of you. The things that keep us from being drawn into a closer walk with you. The things that break your heart. Father, we ask that your spirit would just reveal those things to us bring us to repentance and to a closer walk with you because we know that's what you want. We thank you for this time that we get to share together. We just ask that your will would be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.